Hey you, welcome to Cantori and you. Uh, today, gentleman by the name of Josh Landon, the uh, the founder founder of San Diego St. Archer Brewing. St. Archer, remember St. Remember, they're everywhere. I was just a caboo. St. Archer everywhere. But uh, when St. Archer first came on the scene, there was nothing like it, right? Backed by all these uh, action sports stars. And then you had Josh, the founder, and you're going to hear his story momentarily. And I'll tell you, if you're an entrepreneur or a uh, the entrepreneurial type, you're going to want to listen to this. I walked away completely inspired by Josh. He has something, man, that uh, I lack. And that is a fearless, just 100% fearless, balls-out approach to everything he does. And again, it's, uh, it's quite inspiring when you listen to him speak. And his run at St. Archer, especially if you're part of the craft beer here, uh, the craft beer community here in San Diego, didn't uh, go without controversy. I mean, a lot of people looked at them selling off so soon as selling out. And I address that when I sit down with Josh here. So do want to thank our sponsors. We've got uh, a couple of new people on board, which is fantastic. We'll start with Josh's new company, which is uh, Villager, Villager Coconut Water. And check them out at villagergoods.com. Definitely a uh, superior product. Also, Tori Holistics, what's up? Tori just uh, had their pre-Kaboo barbecue last weekend. A lot of fun out there at Tori Holistics. And they're the closest legal licensed. That's my dog wanting to get on mic. What's up, Felix? You want to chime in? Legal, licensed, <laughs> medical cannabis collective, uh, the closest to Del Mar, closest to North County. So if you're in the North County of San Diego area and want to visit San Diego's finest, head on into Tory Holistics. You mention you, Y-E-W, and uh, get yourself, uh, what was it, 10 bucks off for every $30 spent. So that's kind of cool. We've got South Coast kind enough to carry our clothes. In fact, uh, we're going to be filling up the shops with some of our fall merchandise and introducing new shops. New shops! Are you kidding me? It's true. Into the U infrastructure, U family, that will also be carrying our merch. And of course, you can always hit us up on the U store. That's Y-E-W store.com. And uh, Josh... The gentleman who started St. Archer. Let's get to it here. You! We don't need you anymore. We don't. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't need your energy. Not around here. We don't. Yeah, listen up. So, uh, Josh, you started as a filmmaker, right? Correct. Yep. How did that all begin? Um, well, I grew up in Ventura. Um, just south of Santa Barbara there and grew up surfing and it just so happens you're around some of the best guys in the world up there. The Malloys were just kind of Timmy Curran and obviously Tom Curran and, you know, um, and when I realized I wasn't going to be a pro surfer, which (laughs) pretty much happened right away, I was watching Taylor Steele movies and Taylor Steele from Solana beach here. And, um, my my new kind of found passion was filming surfing and taylor Steele was my hero 
And when I was 18, I got to start working for him and dang. Yeah. How I, cool is that? It was cool. It just, it was just kind of luck of the draw where those guys were in his movies, the Malloy's and Timmy and, um, they just lived in my area and I started showing up at the beach to film them and, and, uh, one thing led to another and Taylor Steele was making a new movie and he needed footage of those guys. So I was like, I'll do it. Never asked for money. I didn't even make any money. Sure. I just wanted to cruise around with those guys and hang out with Taylor. Of course, man. Yeah. You're, yeah. Running, you're running with the boys. Yeah, it was good. It was a good... So I, right after high school, did that. Where'd you get your skills, though? Like I just taught myself. Yeah, self-taught even back then. Yeah, and then I, after working for Taylor, then I made a film called Arc on Taylor Knox. Yes, I my, remember that. That was my first film by myself. When that was, I was a big deal. I was 19. Come on. Yeah. 19? 19, yeah. I was traveling around with Taylor Knox, who was my favorite surfer, and and uh, and then made a couple more documentaries and one all self-taught. Yeah. You never all went self-taught to school now. for this? And... Nope. Never went to college for anything. What about your folks? Like, were they filmmakers or nope. anything? No. No. Just fell into my, it. My parents were a dentist and a lawyer, as stale <laughs> as it gets, man. So it was a full-on right place, right time. And, yeah, and right passion. And the right passion yeah. that you hit, you hit totally. go. Totally. And went for it. Yeah, and then I, you know, started making music videos, uh, you know, in in uh, L.A., which was a nightmare. Yeah, I can't imagine. And then, sure, um, it sounds cool at the time. Sounds way cooler than it is. So you get in there and you're like, holy shit! Yeah, not only are there artists nuts, the but the, the labels, the labels oh, are the man. worst. And they just have no creative. They at don't know all. what they're. They don't. They don't know anything. Nope. Who were some of the bands do you remember that you were working with at the time? God, it was um, well. My ma- my manager as a director is Pat Ma- was Pat Magnarella. Oh, okay. Yeah, Green Day, right? Yeah. So he manages Green Day and and uh, the Goo Goo Dolls and the Rejects, and so I was working with with them and and you know, and a lot of it was like Warner Brothers bands where they're like, we we love this new band called sure. Insert One Hit Wonder, <sighs> right? And then you do that. I can't even really. It was just nothing. Yeah. You know, and the budgets weren't, you know, it wasn't like Hype Williams days. Yeah. <laughs> where you're like spending a million bucks on a Jay-Z video. Those right. days, Those days were long gone. That's nuts, man. Yeah. So is that eventually, is that what propelled you out of filmmaking in the industry? Pretty much. On that yeah, pretty much. And, and, you know, if you were going to take that next step and, and, you know, start making feature films, which also isn't cracked up what it's to be yeah i didn't want to move my young family to hollywood sure from ventura i just didn't want that for them or me so then you segged out of filmmaking you segged directly into saint archer or was there things happening in between yeah i mean pretty much so pat magnarella wanted to start an action sports like management as part of his music management business and you know having my friends kind of being the best skaters and surfers in the world. He was like, do you want to do this? Do you want to start managing these athletes? And I didn't know anything about that. I always enjoyed the business side and, you know, as a filmmaker, especially documentaries and, and you know, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. You're like getting the money to do it. You're You're doing the distribution. You're doing the music. You're doing the, you're fucking doing it all. Right. So the business side wasn't foreign to me and I wound up managing 12 athletes Wow. Yeah. So I managed uh, the Hobgoods and Taylor Knox and uh, Mick Fanning and then skater Sean Malto. And Damn. yeah, these are huge friggin names. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was good. I didn't do it that long. Um, I did it for about 
a year and a half. Now tell me, I'm familiar with what a band manager does, but what is a what is a manager of an action sports personality? Yeah, a lot of it you're you're just I mean essentially you're just negotiating their endorsement deals. Okay. Some managers are completely full service where they're doing they're booking their travel and handling a, a million different things. Got it. Um, but for me, so I so then I just happened to be in Puerto Rico with Taylor Knox and, and Mick and a couple of the other guys and, uh, um, a liquor business approached Taylor about investing in their brand and being an ambassador. Okay. And you know, hard liquor for a pro surfer. Yeah, it's gnarly. It's a, that's a kind of a tough sell. And I, and he said, look, I, I don't want to do the energy drinks. I don't drink them. And I said, what about beer? I mean, everybody drinks beer. Yeah. I mean, for the most part. And then I was like, take it a step further. If we could get like a craft beer, well, shit, that would be like, that's what we drink all day. Like yep. that's, we drink craft beers. We, you know, we weren't drinking Bud Light and Coors Light and, you know, just, we just weren't doing that. And to that point, and pardon my ignorance on this, were there, were there ever any big beer sponsorships yeah. attached to action sports yeah bud stars. light yeah bud okay. light bud light was big but i think where the where a majority of their money was going is into events okay yeah um, i remember the contest yeah, but yeah. i didn't know if they actually sponsored yeah so bud, surfers. bud light would okay um so it's it had been done but yeah, not totally. on a craft beer level no never craft beer and then taking it a step further i said the light bulb went off and i said craft beer like why can't we do one of those yeah. No one's ever come from our culture and done something from us. It's always been Bud Light and Pacifico and whatever coming in and saying trying to attach and themselves to it. And no one gives a it. shit, right? Honestly. Yeah. And so they don't even make an impression. There could be like a hundred foot tall. Look at me. Yeah, you're like I'm asking you these questions. Right. You, it just doesn't even register. I agree. And so my friends were some of the best dudes in the world, and I just was like, Hey, do you guys want to do a brewery together? So Mikey Taylor, Paul Rodriguez, and I um, started Saint Archer. What is Saint Archer now? And the quick, the you know, this is obviously a super long story, but it's 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 really short in terms of Mikey at the time was the face of DC Shoes. Paul Rodriguez was and is the face of Nike skateboarding. Those guys weren't going to stop skating. Right. I was making films and managing athletes. And it just, we, the idea had been going for six months and it just came to the point where it was like, Hey, Josh, either you do this St. Archer, or it's just going to be a great idea that we'll sit around and talk about for 20 years. Sure. And so, <laughs> which is usually the case with a lot of surfers, right, which is the, usually the way it kind of goes, right? <laughs> you know, like, are you know, who's willing to really jump in the deep end? Yeah. And so I was like, I'll do it. I went home, told my wife, my daughter was four, my son was one. I was like, I'm quitting everything. And we're moving to San Diego and I'm going to build a brewery. Damn, man. And my wife, bless her heart, was like, I'll find us a place to live. Were you at a point professionally or within mm -hmm. yourself where you were like, I need to make a change? Um, Not that I need to make a change, but I couldn't live with not doing it. Yeah. And I think that's what... I would have rather risked it all, yeah. obviously, than just say, well, I'm too scared. Yeah. And I couldn't have lived with that. But but here I am. I'm not a brewer. 
Um, I'm just like everybody else. I just like drinking beer with my friends. But not being a brewer, was that intimidating to you? No, because I, I knew that I could build a business, and and I and I, to, looking back, I shouldn't have thought that because <laughs> because I had never raised capital before, you know, and raising money is not easy. I can't imagine. Yeah, and I'd never raised a dime. So yeah, that's why I'm really curious in asking these questions. Yeah, because you're you're coming from a place where you're a successful filmmaker. Right. You're rolling with the biggest names in the industry. You're working with the biggest management people in the industry. Yeah. And, and you completely leave all that to yes. do this venture. And to me, that is so friggin' awesome. But I have so many questions because, <laughs> right. as you said, yeah. what is involved? I right. Mean, I, I get locking arms with your buddies. Right. That's the, I mean, and that's it was, the easy part. And it wasn't, I mean, it, it was that, but I think it was like, you know, your breweries are really expensive. You know, it would have been one thing to start Villager first, to be honest, because you're, you're, you're not building a 20,000 square foot brewery. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, it's a, it's an operational nightmare. Right. So, so your role out the get go, like right when you say, okay, we're moving to San Diego, yep. your wife's on board. Yep. What's the first order of business for you? Try and raise money okay. and, and try and learn as much about craft beer as humanly possible. And fortunately for me, um, there was some people that were really good to me and kind of took me under their wing. And <clears throat> I'd raised about a million dollars from our friends, athletes which had never really happened before, you know, yeah. and that, in skating, you know, there was guys that would start a board company or like a clothing brand or like Ken starting DC and you, you would have all that, but you'd never have like surfers and skaters and snowboarders and artists and filmmakers all coming together exactly to own a brand together. But I just knew everybody from making films. So what were those discussions like those early discussions? It was like, we're going to build a brewery. This is what I think is going to happen, which really I had no fucking idea. Right? <laughs> and and this is this is how much money you can put in. And some guys, it was crazy. Some guys put in 10 grand. Some guys put in 100 grand. Damn. And, you know, I just through the whole process, I met Steve Wagner, who was the president and, and Stone, right? of Stone. And um, he was great. And he, so what was Steve's role in all of this? N nothing. He, we just, I would just kind of bounce everything off him. And he believed in St. Archer from day one. And we actually signed a distribution deal with them before I even had beer coming out of the tanks. Damn. So he was like, I think St. Archer, he, he kind of saw St. Archer as like what stone was in the late nineties, kind of going against the grain. And they had this kind of in your face pissed off, brand yep. with you know and saint archer was that just in our way i felt it yeah it was more just like having a, lived the stone thing back yeah in the yeah late 90s. and i think steve saw that and um he knew that i didn't know the business um and so he was there kind of every step of the way to to help me and kind of set expectations even though the expectations were exceeded but um i was you know i was sitting in his office and looking at a magazine that was the best brewers under the age of 30, yeah. like in the U S and I was like, who are all these people? Cause obviously I could, I could sell the dream all day of like a, how great the St. Archer brand is, but if the beer sucks then it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Right. True. So it doesn't even, it's like, that's all great, yeah. but your beer, we just spit it out. Yep. Um, 
I wound up hiring number one, three, and five. Did you? Yeah. So that was that was big. They yeah. were young and they understood the culture that we were coming from, and they understood the kind of You're beers that we drink. Dude, man, I get it. That's I get it, and. I also love how you launch where it was kind of like a conservative launch where yeah. you just came out with a, with a couple of varieties yeah. and I was like, here three you beers. go, three yeah. beers. And it was three, people thought I was crazy. No. They thought I was crazy for, they thought I was crazy for one, for doing the most generic beer styles going, right? With the blonde, a pale ale and an IPA. Fuck, everybody has that. Right. And they thought I was crazy also for not naming the beers. Um, but I felt like we had a strong enough brand and story where I wanted people to fall in love with St. Archer. Not the not name, like not a, some goofy name of Not a like a Devil's Baby IPA. Yeah, or the 420. Yeah, I just Pilsner. didn't want, I just, we were more than that. Whereas like a lot of times that's your only way to stand out on the shelf. Yeah. Our branding and story and, and vibe, I felt like would would surpass just naming the beer something stupid to be catchy. Where did St. Archer come from? Uh, I wanted to name my son Archer. No way. Yeah. How cool My is wife that? said no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're like, all right, and, and there he, you go. Yeah, he's Beckham. And so then I'm like, well, I'm going to do the bit. You can't control this one. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm gonna do this. And St. just had a nice ring to it. Yeah, I agree. And obviously it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. I mean, it was great. It was, it was really a, it was a great experience i mean it was like can't imagine man to build a it brand was insane. that fast flip a brand that fast sure w when it did come to those early you, know, you mentioned you had all these people telling you you were crazy yeah how did you power through that how did you power through any self-doubt fears or insecurities you had For with i just i've never had that i've never had i've never thought what if it doesn't work out yeah Maybe that's like a, and to be honest, maybe it's a gift and a curse because you're, I get it. you're so like zeroed in and focused on what you think is the best thing Yeah. Um, that I just never cared what anybody yeah. said. And I, I knew that it was, it was attractive to me and I felt like if it was attractive to me then maybe there was a couple other guys and girls out there that would be stoked on it too. Of course. And so I didn't, I just didn't care. And craft beer they kind of had their own way. Yeah. And I was not from that. So I was from a completely different culture. And so I didn't go the traditional route where like a lot of breweries were starting and you would just cut, go try and sell beer in North park. Right. Right. You try and like get on draft in North park and, and win over that. I didn't do that. I wanted to sell beer downtown at the Hyatt. I wanted to sell beer where everybody was yep. and I wanted to sell a lot of it. That was the goal from day one. I want to sell beer in PB at the Shore Club. You know, like, dude, they're going through 10 kegs a week. Who cares? <laughs> right. I wasn't trying to appease the brand to that traditional crowd. Yeah. And so I think, and that rubbed people the wrong way, straight up. It sure did, man. Yeah. Just being on the outside, yeah, I yeah. saw it. Also, at the same time, knowing how friggin' whore that group can be and, you yeah. know, keep craft beer craft. And yeah. I get all that. I do, too. But it wouldn't have been authentic if you were trying to carve your way into that crowd. Well, and it's just a different, it's a completely different business where you're, what we, we had raised $3 million and then, and I had to build a brewery. And when you have that many investors and like, dude, my, I have two little kids at home. I'm trying to sell beer. Hell yeah. And like, and if people don't know, I would never apologize for that. 
because that's did it ever did, get to you though when you would never. hear people like no, oh, hell no. yeah no <laughs> I love it. because i don't that's not i don't care what they think yeah i just great. it's just i was doing what i had to do to survive and protect my friend's investment yeah this wasn't and like so going at the tradition and you know steve was a mentor and so was jack white so like jack they had completely different scenario. You know, now Jack White, the help, owner, help. founder of Ballast Point. Okay. And Jack was like, you know, he'd been doing it for twenty some odd years, and it was like him and his father-in-law, and they had a couple other. But it's like that slow growth, yeah. and then you can get bank financing when you're profitable for so long. That wasn't in the cards for us, because when you're growing vertically, the yeah. banks want nothing to do with you. Yeah. Because you're not profitable, you're burning cash. You had to go straight for the jug. So it's like. Should I and we just have to keep raising capital and diluting everyone, Damn. and like no one understands that shit when they're just like, oh yeah, like we we, we tried to keep going with Saint Archer, and it's like we had to go raise ten million dollars privately. We wouldn't even own any of the company anymore. How'd you figure this stuff out though, man? I just just fuck. like this is so off my radar yeah, and above my pay grade just just grind man that's it i just was all like, self-taught like when you first yeah. picked up the camera yeah no there was no i just want to win yeah at all costs and you just figured it out man just figured it out i'm playing with my friend's money and it's like five grand here <laughs> five grand there for sure no it was and i'm it, shitting it, myself yeah it was it was it was serious but it was like but everyone was stoked and the brand was doing well and yeah man and and you know it's just that all being said i yeah. mean we can't ignore the fact that you came on so friggin' we str- did saint archer everywhere. everywhere yeah straight from up. the merchandise yeah the taps everywhere yeah, yeah, just yeah. It's, it was a lifestyle yeah yeah and that was a lifestyle that you flipped after how many years two and a half damn dude yeah two and a half now was that the ultimate goal obviously it would have been right yeah not that fast no i mean that wasn't the plan and to be honest with you while i was doing it i wasn't thinking about selling it because you're just trying to stay alive right because even when we sold it like the the business wasn't profitable you know like interesting it's it, it's craft beer is so expensive you know it takes millions of dollars worth of capital and if you want to do the production brewery that's what it takes like right. it, there's no way around that i don't care who you are so you know when you nowadays a lot like culture brewing is a great example just set up tasting rooms the margins are fabulous you don't have as you know are you going to sell it for like you know tens of millions of dollars no are you going to make a great living yeah. yeah yeah you are and that's and we were just before that when production brewing was still, you could still like take a brand and scale it. Damn. And I think like, you don't think you can do that today to the I same think level. It's much harder. Yeah. Because if you because before you know now Budweiser owns fifteen brands, Miller Coors owns four brands, Constellation owns Ballast Point, and then you, so it's like where are you going to go in the cold box at Vons? Because Bud's going, here are your 15 craft brands. And how did that final sale come down? When it came down to the final sale, was it something that you were out actively? No. Tra- no. No. We um, Email, someone hit you up, send yeah, you a we, text. I was going to raise $10 bucks to raise more money to keep up. I mean, we were selling, you know, in, in terms of like just cases, not, we were selling 250,000 six packs a month. Damn. Mind blowing. In, mind in to three me. cities. Right, SF, LA, and San Diego. So, like the normal size brewery, would be doing that in ten states. 
Holy shit. So it was like, it was, it was so I, if we wanted to go, we wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest and I, it, it just building out the brewery to do that cost millions of dollars. Yeah. And, um, we got a call from Budweiser and, and, um, they'd showed interest in buying it. And I went, what? We're two. What do you mean? We're two and a half years old. Like this can't be. And then we, you know, we hired an investment bank in LA called first beverage and, you know, Miller Coors and, and all of these big breweries started bidding on the brand and Damn, it, dude. and it just went, it just went nuts. And, and like, and it, were you part of that? Were you in those I meetings? Did I did all that. What was that like? It was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in those types of situations sure. and, and like, I, I knew what the brand was worth in my mind, which was probably completely inflated because it was my baby. Sure. And, and I, and I knew what I wanted in a partner. Right. And so it just, it worked out and changed everybody's lives, man. Like, I mean, you know, you know, everyone has negative shit to say, but for me, I never cared. I would do it a hundred times out of a hundred because when I was giving checks to my friends, that were crying with their wives that this changed their life. Some people were able to retire that Jeez. had no chance of retiring. Dude, I'll take that. Yeah. All day. I agree with and you. And that, and I knew that's what it would do. But I saw the negativity out there. And sure. anytime I saw it, I was like, dude, that's straight and utter jealousy. Haters, I, who, I mean, come on. Yeah. Who, I mean, that's, that's what yeah. you do. That's life. That's, that's capitalism. And the beer, that's, and the beer didn't change. And nothing changed. No employees changed. No, like the beer didn't change. Like you, you gotta, people don't have it. First of all, when you start a business and you take people's money, the, the, your mindset should be, these people are going to want to get paid back. Not only are they going to want to get paid back, they want to make money. Of course. If you put money in the stock market, are you doing it just to break even? <laughs> right? You you're doing it to make money. And that's 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 the real life. So people saying that we sold out and this and that, I don't even We're not in the eighties anymore. Sold out used to mean something back in the day. No, I mean and clearly There's no such thing as selling out anymore. No, we were right. Because look at look at what craft beer is doing now. It's down double digits nationwide. Right. And it's like, and imagine... Which was going to be my next question. Do you miss it? I do. You do? I do miss Despite it. Despite the numbers. I miss, I just miss St. Archer. Yeah. And I would be lying to you if I said there wasn't some regret there. Really? Yeah. Even based on all... Because I never success. did it for the money. And everybody says that. It's a competitive thing. It's like, I just want to win. Yep. And so there's... But like thinking, oh yeah, then I'll make all this money. And I'd never thought that I never, and my lifestyle didn't change. Where like, do you think that competitiveness comes from? Just, just me. Just you. Yeah. I just, and I love the people that said I couldn't do it. And a lot of them are here in North County, <laughs> which is, which is nice to run into them. I had guys, I had a, um, a, a very famous pro skater, you know, everybody knows him. And he, he was the first guy to ever see my St. Archer business plan. And my son Beckham was a year old and he's in the little like baby swing. And he calls me and goes, dude, I can only meet right now. Right. And he was in LA. Right. I can only meet right now. And I'm like, fuck. Okay. Well I have my son. I'll bring him up. Yep. I get it. He, he I'm swinging him 
and he's looking at the business plan, flipping through it. He he finishes flipping through it, puts it up to my face and goes, this is never going to work. No. And not only is this not going to work, you don't have the ability to build a business like this. Shut up. Straight up. Puts it over to the trash can, drops it in the trash and You're goes, bullshitting me. Get out. Come on. Swear to no God. No one's that big of a dick. And then I texted him five years later. I was right. Period. Fuck. <laughs> oh, man. And I got stories like that, like, all day. It's amazing. Yeah, good ones like but that. But what separates me from you, that would I would walk out of that being all butthurt, where it probably fired you up. I thought take... about him every single day for the yeah. next five years. And tell me about Villager, because I'll admit I am on the coconut water tip, and I'm not just saying that because you're sitting across from me. St. Archer, there's a lot of limitations. You know, when you... It's alcohol. So... Really, you can't do anything. You know, you can't give anything away. You can't do any sort of... Con- you can't do anything. You can't... Everything is illegal. Yep. And so when you have the best athletes in the world and they're kind of just sitting idle, except for Instagram, you're kind of like, man, what a missed opportunity. And we were all just drinking coconut water. And I just said, same kind of thing as St. Archer. I was standing at the grocery store too going like, who are all these brands? Like, who is Vita Coco? I don't know. Zico. And like, why do you know buy it? People. You don't, there's no reason why you buy it. You buy it because it's on the shelf. True. And in, in our culture, from all of the, the skate brands and surf brands, you, I know everything about them. I know everything about Bob Hurley. I know everything about girl skateboards and I know everything about Brixton and I know, you know, like agreed, but in, in food and beverage, you don't know a damn thing. Just faceless brands. They are. And so, and all of, all of my friends who endorse sodas and, and energy drinks, I think it just kind of run its course where they were like, we want to promote something that we actually drink and like believe in. And that's actually healthy. And somehow I convinced a majority of them to leave those sponsors and invest in villager. And so here we are, like we just ran the marathon and we're back to the start. Here we go, man. I'm telling you. And it's fun now because there's so many things we could do. So how far in are you now? How long have you been doing this? It's been in the market for 10 months, 10 months, but it's been like a year and a half. And we're already, you know, we're going nationwide with sprouts. We're going, we're in uh, Ralph's all over Southern California, Vons, Albertson, 7-Eleven. It's been, and I think it's the same thing where, you know, like we're going to meet with Target a couple weeks from now about taking the brand nationally. And it's more than just coconut water. We're doing Little Villager for kids juice. So it's organic, no sugar oh, added juice. Huge. And then we're doing food, granola and sparkling water. And so it's really a, a goods business. It's not coconut water we launched with because we drink it yep. and it was easy for the guys to promote. So who's we? Who's involved? Everybody from Paul Rodriguez to Taj Burrow and Pat Moore. And, and there's a lot of Andrew Reynolds and Guy Mariano and Anthony Van England and how cool, and man. And then younger guys, Nikel Smith, and and there's a, you know, it's great. Jet Schilling, little guys, you know? <laughs> so it's it's nice to be able to, and when you're a dad, it's fun to be able to make stuff that your kids, kids can consume. Yeah, and that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Like, these guys should be selling a healthy lifestyle I to the kids that. and, like, young adults that look up to them. Yep. 
And it's like, why has that never happened? What have you learned about coconut water? It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a nightmare. How so? Operation process. Is it? Yeah. It's just, well, you're getting, you're getting product. So our Tetra pack, cause we didn't want to do plastic. The Tetra pack comes from Germany, which is then shipped to Manila in the Philippines. That's where our, or our organic, not from concentrate coconut water comes from. They fill it, package it there, put it on pallets, put it on a shipping container that goes onto a ship that goes to Long Beach. And then, and then it goes to all the distribution centers, whoever it is, right? Everyone from Costco to everybody, right? So you never see it, but it's a logistical nightmare. Damn. And like we were in, somehow we were. So where did the coconuts originate from? From the Philippines. From the Philippines. And really like we've been there. It's really, that's why there's one ingredient. It's organic coconut water. It's just like in the, put it in from the coconut into the, yeah. Now, why did you choose that location or did you do research? Yeah, on all we these did. Different... It was it, it, it like harmless harvest is another coconut water brand to me. It, their coconut water is too like thick and syrupy Oof. and sweet. Yeah. I'm not and I didn't want sweet. I wanted like not as much taste. Yep. And the Philippines provide that. It's just a different coconut in different parts of the world. So Got like it. we make some of ours in the Philippines and then we also make some in Vietnam. Okay. So you're dealing with third world countries and there's language and, and custom and time yeah, I was barriers. just going to say, there's nothing easy with you. You love complicated <laughs> shit, <laughs> yeah, don't you? I'm like, why don't we just make widgets in China and Dude, send them over here, man? It's part of your madness, but it's, I love it. But then with juice, like kids juice... We're making it in Riverside, and I can make it at different co-packers all over the yeah, U.S., so it's getting still. a little bit easier. But, but yeah, the coconut water. I admire your drive, man. I really, truly do. Thank you, yeah. You're a very inspiring dude. It's actually talking about it makes me kind of, I'm like, what in the hell am I doing? <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a big endeavor that I think I can see why it's hard for people to get started. Yeah. And it's expensive. It would have been way easier for me if I didn't go organic and I wasn't and I didn't care if it was from concentrate. Yep. It probably would have shortened the process by nine months. Damn. And instead I was and we probably burned two hundred K just trying to get it right. And like my first quick story, and I have no problem doing that, I poured our first batch of IPA down the drain. 40 grand in revenue from day one, which means everything in the beginning. I tasted it and went, Nope, poured, poured out. Not $40,000 investment gone because it wasn't right. It just wasn't the best. And here with the coconut water, similar situation. And it, yeah, just took, I'm like, Nope, it's not, it's not. What are people are going to say? No, it's not organic. Bummer. It tastes like this. Bummer. It's from concentrate. We don't want that. Yep. And I just wanted to have something that was perfect in my eyes. And when you have that, it gets expensive. <laughs> so, um, but it was worth the wait. Because now what are you going to say? It's one ingredient. Coconut. Yeah. And there's and it has the least amount of sugar than any of them on the market. Villagergoods.com. Thank you, Josh. Too easy. All right. That's some good shit, huh? inspiring dude i'm telling you josh thank you thank you man kicked my ass a little bit again josh landon our guest check out villager water 
villagergoods.com. And as always, thank you for supporting Cantorian You. Check out previous episodes. Don't forget to subscribe. And uh, we also have the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash U-Y-E-W. That does certainly help with expenses and keeping the network alive and kicking. Until next time, our, I think our next show is going to be with Swami, John Reese of Rocket from the Crypt. How awesome is that? Because we play so much of his music on the U Network, including this song that's playing right now. Okay, bye. You. Online.com. <laughs> <laughs>